0: Father God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you are a God that is bigger than me. Lord, that is bigger than the biggest trials that I have faced and will face. Lord God, oh, God you are a God that rejoices, Lord, in, in the steps that I've taken and that we have taken in our walks with you. God, James 1, verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all of creation, became his prized possession. Lord, thank you that you see the beauty of your own creation, God. You look at the flowers. You paint the sunrises and sunsets. You see the mountains. God, you see the ocean. Lord, you see all of the beauty in all of creation. And you look at us and say, that is my prized possession. Lord Jesus, can that nestle deeply within our souls today, that we are your prized possession. Lord, that that you look at us as, as the greatest thing that you have ever had. Lord Jesus, and can our lives reflect that? Can we live like we are your prized possession? Jesus, can our lives reflect a God that loves us like a father? a God that loves us sacrificially, a God that chooses every single day to love us even when we do not choose to love him back. And you still look at us and say, we are your prized possession. God, I'm in awe of who you are. And I pray that you would teach us today through the words that I speak and through the worship that we sing, Lord, that how to be more and more like your prized possession. How to be more and more like Jesus. God, that our lives would be forever changed because of the words you say in this building. God, we love you so much, and we ask that you would be about anchor today and that our lives would be about you. It's in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I got a little sun this weekend. Um, Pretty soon I'm going to just match the stage, I think. So we'll see what happens. Uh, A couple of you have voiced that you were a little concerned that I might be what people call too uh, indoorsy for such a camping trip that I went on. Um, And for those of you that may have worried about that, um, I have a couple things that I think you should know. Um, the first thing is that on the last day there, I got a spider in my hair. And Elizabeth took it out, and guess what? I didn't even squeal. All right? I, I know, I know, it's a big deal. Um, this, this, I know, I know. The second thing. The, The second thing (laughs) is that on the second day, we had torrential rain downpour, okay? And my water bottle was in the mud during the torrential rain downpour. And we get done and it is covered in dirt and filth. And I was so thirsty. I drank out of that water bottle, Mm y'all. I know, I know, it's pretty impressive. And if that's not impressive enough, uh, this is what really, Really where the rubber meets the road. Uh, first night, we are eating chili, and I look into my chili bowl, and I will tell you, I'll be honest, I shrieked. There was the nastiest looking bug inside my chili, and my friend Sandra had to take said bug out of chili, but guess what? I still ate it. <laughs> so, there you are. Um, I. I am not what you would consider indoorsy any longer. So uh, that is just, has nothing to do with with what we're talking about today. But uh, (laughs) welcome to the final week of James, A Faith That Walks. And some of you are like, thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, Looking at James, it is so difficult. And some of us were like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. James is my favorite book, which we all know what that means. They have not read it, okay? Uh, But maybe you've read it and you love it, but whether you have been challenged or disturbed by James, no one can blame him for, like, beating around the bush, right? He gets straight to what he wants to talk about. And because of that, James is a little difficult to preach on because you read a verse and you're like, there's not much to unpack, you know? This is truth. Are you doing it or not? And I'm really excited to end this, but I'm also like, how is it already done? And and that's because James is such a practical book. And translation for that would be, uh, it gets all up in your business, you know? You read it and you know exactly the ways that God wants to make you more like Jesus. And with that in mind, I will tell you, we save the best for last. (laughs) With fear and trembling, we save the best for last. So we're going to jump in in James chapter 3 today. And in James chapter 3, as you look in that chapter, you will notice a heading. The heading in my Bible said, Taming the Tongue. Uh, Some others say, Controlling your Words. How many of us maybe have, sometimes have troubles with that, right? All of us have some kind kind of troubles with taming our tongue. Abraham Lincoln, he has one of my favorite quotes. And in fact, because of this quote, I think him and James might have been buddies if they could. Uh, he says, it is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay? <laughs> now, that's just good advice. And James chapter 3, it talks exactly about this. It talks about our inability to control the things that we say. And I don't know where you struggle. I don't know what. Hinders your walk with Christ, what is your biggest temptation? But if we were all honest, have we all had moments when we've had our foot in our mouth? Absolutely. And, and we have had moments when we have cont- worried and struggled to control the words that we say. And some of you guys maybe even struggled with that this morning as you were heading out of the door. You were struggling with the words that you were choosing to say. And before we dive into James, I have to show you this verse in Proverbs. You don't need to look it up. It'll be on the screen. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, most of you know this. I have two roommates, and uh, they're they're both on staff here, Uh, Elizabeth, who sings every single week, and Pastor Valerie, who's our youth pastor here. And let me tell you what. Uh... (laughs) This is going to be good. Um, I I love living with them. It has drastically changed my life because they are some of my biggest supporters, some of my biggest cheerleaders. But let me tell you what. I don't get away with nothing, okay? I don't get away with nothing. The other day, I was talking to Valerie on the couch about what we were going to eat that night or something that just really didn't matter. And she looks at me and she goes, Lindsay, you look worried about something. I'm like... I don't get away with anything. And she says, Lindsay, you know, God, he fights your battles and he's bigger than you. How annoying is that? You know, I just want to be worried, okay? I've had moments when I'm worried about my finances. And, oh, the most annoying thing, Elizabeth says, you know, do not worry about anything, but with prayer and petition, present your pre- present your request to God, you know? How annoying. They just like ninja pasture you. And, and it drives me crazy. And it's making me a better person, so I can't, I can't get too bad about it. But The reason that these two ladies do this to me is actually scriptural. It says uh, in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I love that visual because it's like, Lord, I am putting your words inside of who I am so that I might look more like you. And that's why Elizabeth and Valerie, they, they know how to speak truth because it is nestled in the depths of their heart. And I'd really like to live that kind of life too, wouldn't you? And so this morning we're going to do a little bit of an exercise uh, where that's going to require some group participation to hide God's word in your heart. So if you'd stand up with me. I may or may not have borrowed this from children's ministry. Um, but we are going to hide God's word in our hearts, okay? And this is going to be that Proverbs verse. The tongue has the power of life and death. So, our actions today will be the tongue, do it with me, do it with me, has the power of life, woo! You gotta make the noise. Thank you, or death. All right, so the tongue has the power of life, woo! Or death. Turn to your neighbor and do it. The tongue has the power of life, woo! Or death. Thank you, thank you. So you can sit down. Thank you for amusing me. Uh, <laughs> but the tongue has the. Pa- oh, I was like, uh-oh, we gotta do it again. The tongue has the, of life, or death, right? And, and that is so true. And James, he warns us of that in James chapter one. Actually, he says, be quick to listen, and slow. Yeah, you guys are good today. This is awesome. And the Bible, it talks a lot about your tongue and all of the things that you say with your own mouth. Uh, Just to name a few, Psalm 5 talks about the flattering tongue. Uh, Psalm 12 talks about the proud tongue. Uh, Proverbs 6, the lying tongue. Proverbs 10, the perverted tongue. And those are getting a little dark, so let's look at some good ones. Proverbs 15 you can have a soothing tongue, that your words can be soothing to another person. Uh, Proverbs 12, it talks about the healing properties of the tongue, that your words can actually be healing. And lastly, in Proverbs 25, it says, soft words and a soft tongue. And so really, what the Bible says is that it could go either way. It could be really good, or it could be really bad. And then we get to James chapter 3, verse 1. And he says one of the most pointed scriptures in all of the Bible about what your tongue can do. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, as a pastor, when I look at that verse, that's a little scary. Because uh, that means that every single time that I get up here and I teach something, every single week, I am judged more strictly Every time I prepare a message, that thought is in the back of my head. Every time that I get up here and I teach on behalf of God, like, no pressure, right? And we preach, and I, I will tell you that, like, we live in Colorado Springs, and it, is not, it would not be difficult for you to find a better preacher than I am. Oh, humility. You would, you would, it would probably be easy to find a funnier one, too, And some of you guys believe that a little bit too much, Um, uh, but you could find that. But I will say you would be hard-pressed to find a church that takes so seriously the preaching of God's word. Uh, We have uh, processes and plans put in place so that we can test and weigh and make sure that our sermons aren't self-glorifying, that they are honoring to God that they are speaking truth but in love. And uh, our team of teachers with Kurt and Valerie and Elizabeth, did you know every time they get up here, they've had the topic sometimes for months, that they have read it and internalized it and studied it and dissected it. And now it says in Scripture that those teachers, they were entrusted with with the Word of God. And in then it was very literal because literacy was running rampant throughout the church. So if you wanted to know what the Word of God said, you had to have somebody teach you. But I would say that we have that same concept happening in the church today. Uh, Not because we can't read, because we don't read. And we have what I would call a a guitar hero sort of approach. We all want to be rock stars, but we don't want to learn the chords. (laughs) And that's how we approach scripture and we say, Pastor, just tell me something new. And uh, I can't even begin to explain how much weight that puts on my shoulders. Uh, Luke 12, verse 48, it says, But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. And when someone has given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Or to quote (laughs) Spider-Man, With great power comes great responsibility. See, we have been given much to be responsible with. We have been given the gospel of hope to be responsible with. And every time I get up here, I have to think, you know, I got to teach something new, even though a lot of you guys have been reading the Bible longer than I've been alive. You know, I got to teach something funny, but not too funny because this is a serious business, right? You know, we got to teach something profound, but also accessible and applicable, we have to also be responsible for the whole counsel of God, meaning there's some parts of James I do not want to talk about, but i got to talk about them anyway. And that adds a lot of pressure. And before you think, does Lizzie really like her job? <laughs> this isn't really about me. Because did you know that you are teachers? Uh, did you know that you are teachers and you are held responsible for carrying the word of God just as much as I am. Did you know that you are teachers in the workplace? For those people that know you're Christians, did you know that they're watching you? And they're watching what you say and what you don't say? And they are watching what you love and what you don't love? Parents, did you know you're a teacher for your kids? That you are responsible for your influence on them? People, did you know that you are even responsible for your Facebook friends? For your Snapchat and your Twitter and your Instagram. You are responsible for your level of influence in this world. And that's why James is so poignant about this. Because you, just like I am, you are responsible to be profound yet applicable. You are responsible to teach something new, but also to laugh with your coworkers. You are responsible to carry the Word of God into all aspects of your life. And James, he says, you must be good stewards of this. What are you doing with the words that you speak? Because it's by the words that we speak that we are influencers. So, this verse, it should scare me, but it should also scare you. Because we have very similar job titles. And I'd ask you this how many of you have learned something about the Bible in this building? I hope all of you, <laughs> you are responsible for that knowledge. And if you don't want to be responsible, you have to go somewhere where you're not learning. And I would hope that's not a place that you'd want to be. We are responsible. And James says this in verse, or in verse 2. He says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a whole great forest on fire, and we know that, right? (laughs) We live in Colorado, we know that. And the tongue is on a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. Catch this. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. And those are some pretty powerful words. Um, If I was in South Dakota right now, I'd say, (laughs) woofta. Yikes. Okay? Uh, That's some pretty tough stuff to hear. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes have foot-in-mouth syndrome. Um, I say things that I shouldn't, and I was going to share some sort of a personal experience with you all this morning about that, but they were all too painful to revisit. <laughs> okay, uh, but I heard a story uh, this week about a guy who worked at a grocery store, and this lady came in and said, "I want to buy a half a head let of lettuce." Oh my gosh, head of lettuce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know what that was, but control your tongue, Uh, I want to buy half a head of lettuce. And this guy says, you can't do that. Like, that's so stupid, it's like 78 cents. You gotta buy the whole thing or nothing. And she's like, I have been shopping here for 25 years. Are you kidding me that you're not gonna sell me a half a head of lettuce? And he says, fine, I'll I'll go talk to my manager. So he goes to the back room to talk to his manager. And he says, some lame brain loser is telling me that they want to buy half a head of lettuce. And the manager goes, (coughs) because the lady's standing right behind him. And he says, and this beautiful woman wants to buy the other half. (laughs) Nice. That's a good cover. (laughs) See, words are powerful, and they can change our day drastically. They can make a great day terrible, and a terrible day amazing. Uh, There's actually a theory in linguistics called uh, the speech act theory. And what it says is that there's different categories of words. Let me give you some examples. Uh, there's informative words. And I bet you can guess what they're they used for. To, to inform, yes. Um, there are also expressive words. And they are used to express. Express your feelings and your emotions. And then there are also a category called a uh, persuasive words. And those are meant to convince you, and persuade you, and maybe even manipulate you. And then there's this last category, and it's called performative words. And performative words, they're very interesting. Because performative words are said to be words that actually have the power to change the state of affairs. And now you might say, "Uh uh-oh, she's going to some name-it-claim-it stuff. i got to rebuke it, rebuke it. But listen to me. (laughs) Hear me out. Uh, You have heard and you have said some performative words in your life. Here's some. I do. That'll change your life, wouldn't it? (laughs) For better or for worse. Uh, It's a girl. Uh, Some of it's like, aww. And for dads that are just now becoming dads, they're like sheer terror, Right? That'll change your life. Um, Another one, you have jury duty. Oh, no. (laughs) That'll change your life. Uh, You're hired or you're fired. That'll change your life. Uh, The cancer has spread. I want a divorce. Your sins are forgiven. Or this one, yes, Lord, I believe. These phrases... They change our lives. And James, at the heart, is this, is that your tongue determines your destination. The words that you speak, they they show the direction you are going. Have you ever noticed that the more you complain about something, the bigger the issue gets? I experienced this a few weeks ago. I went on this uh, wonderful, amazing nutritional cleanse, where I couldn't have a single donut, And you can imagine that I really loved that, as I have rehearsed. Um, And I I was going through this process, and you're supposed to be in it a month, and I was talking to my friend Dwayne, because he's gone through it before, and I say, Dwayne, I don't think I'm gonna make it, buddy. Like, I don't know how we're gonna do this. And he says to me, Lindsay, you have to stop dwelling on what you can't have. You have to stop talking about the donuts. And I noticed something. When I stopped talking and dwelling on the things that I couldn't have, it became a lot easier and a lot less of a burden. And James, he says in this verse that if you could control your tongue, you could control your life. You want to control your relationship with your spouse? Watch the words you say. Uh, Ogden Nash, he has this famous quote. He says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. (laughs) That's just good advice right there. Uh, You want to control your self-esteem? Watch the words that you are saying to yourself. And this is an area that I am garbage at sometimes. And I have a really good friend in Elizabeth. She started, whenever I say those things, she said, why are you talking about my friend like that? And we got to watch the things that we're saying to ourselves. You want to control how terrible you think your job is. Watch the words that you say when you walk in the door. See, our our tongues decide our destination. And James knew that. He knew that it had the power to change the very atmosphere of our lives. He says this in verse 5. The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Those are some pretty powerful words. And if you look at this, I I think the, the tongue being set on fire, it is very intentional because just like a fire, it will continue to reproduce itself and grow until it has no fuel. Just like a fire can keep growing and keep growing as long as it has something to burn, it will keep doing so. You know what fuels fire? Oxygen. Very applicable or very accessible to us. In the same right, you do not have to look far to find something to fuel your fire. It is within the words that you say or you don't say. It is within the anger that you have for your friends or your family. It is within the frustrations that you voice to your friends. It is within how you treat your worst enemy. It's not difficult to fuel this fire. It's not difficult to fuel this, and and the common source of the fuel for the fire in your life is very simple. It's your heart. Jesus, he talks about this. He says, A good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. What is your heart full of? What is your heart full of? Because as responsible as you and I are for the spreading of the gospel— Only you are responsible for the state of your heart. Ain't nobody else going to guard it. Proverbs 4, verse 23, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I think that's why James is so concerned with what you say, because it shows the condition of your heart. And how? How do we stop fueling the fires? Well, that's pretty simple. We gotta cut off the fuel. We gotta let it extinguish. We gotta stop fueling them. This is like getting frustrated that your house is on fire while you're chucking more wood to make it burn. Proverbs 26, verse 20: When you run out of wood, the fire goes out. When gossip ends, the quarrel dies down. A quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. What fires do you need to stop fueling? I don't know what you're going through, but I will tell you that in your life, each of us have a fire, and it has destructive power. Uh, Maybe it is the relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's the relationship with yourself. Maybe it's the relationship you have with your nearest enemy. I don't know what it is, but I can assure you if you do not cut off the fuel, it will devour your life. It will set your whole life on fire. It will affect how it will consume your thoughts. It will change your attitudes. It will change your feelings. And it will change the impact that you have in the name of Jesus if you cannot cut off the fuel. And James goes on to explain this. He says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. James says, you have a choice. Your words that you have, they can either build somebody up, they can give hope and truth and future and love and joy, or they can tear somebody apart. And that choice is only yours. I can't make that decision for you. I love this quote that I read this week. It says, The tongue is but three inches long, yet it can kill a man six feet tall. What are you going to do with your words? What are you going to do with the small tool that you have been given? Matthew 12, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The word you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I want to get real with you for a minute and ask you what, what in your life, what fire needs to stop getting the fuel that you are just pouring on it? Where in your life do you need to put the kerosene away? Is it how you are at home or at work or at school or at the restaurant? Where is it? Where in your life is there a fire that must be put out? Uh, I gave each of you, well, Amanda did, gave you, each of you a match. If you could take that out with me. I wanted to give you a match, not because, you know, we're going to burn down the building and collect on insurance or anything. <laughs> I gave you this match intentionally because just like this match is your tongue. You have a choice on what you're gonna do with this. You can take it home, you can use it to start a fire, you can burn your whole dang house down. You know, you can start a candle, you can light the burner on the stove, whatever you choose to do, you can harbor it forever and say this is my match. Or you can choose that this match is under God's authority and that no fire is coming out of this match ever and you can choose that this match is not your match but this is the Lord's match and he is going to fight my battles and my tongue is going to submit under his authority this morning I want to give you some time and I'm going to invite the worship team up to come as they are getting set uh, I want to encourage you even as I'm talking to take on a posture of prayer. If you have said to yourself during this time, like, yeah, I got a match that I want to burn and I need to get that under control, maybe bow your heads, close your eyes. If you want to come down to the altars, they are absolutely open. Even now as, we're, as I'm talking, um, you can do that. If you need to stand up, if you need to kneel at your seat, whatever that is, would you take that posture with me right now? Father God, you know the matches that we hold. Lord, you know the names that are on that match. God, you know the ways that we want to use that match. Lord, you know that we have a million things that we could say, and they probably most of them are actually right and justified, and nobody would say that you are guilty of anything for having to say those things. Lord, but we do not want to submit under our own power we don't want to submit to our feelings god we want to submit to who you are and we want to choose today that the things that we say whether it's to ourselves or to others they are under your authority god that they are cleansed by you and the lord we dedicate those words to you lord jesus i don't go home with each of these individuals but you do Lord, you know the words that are destroying our lives. You know the ways that we are watching our homes, ourselves, burn up in flames. God, but today, we want to choose to not. We want to choose to submit under you, and that that may require something of us. That may require some apologies. That may require some accountability. That may require us to step out and say, Yes, this has to change. Lord, I pray that in this space, during this last worship song, that you would give us the ability and you would enable us to be people who speak your truth. God, that would encourage us to make decisions of breakthrough, to choose to be the people that carry your word in our lives, in our parenting. God, in the classrooms, Lord, Uh, at the coffee shop, Lord, that we would carry your word with boldness and with security. In Jesus' name, amen.